Ah, the perfect church. Do you ever, do you ever think, oh boy, I wish this was the perfect church? Uh, you know, there is no perfect church. I've uh, served in a bunch of them. Uh, North Point's not perfect. We've got our challenges, our issues. But when I read in Scripture about the church, sometimes I look at that and I say, that's the church I want to be part of. The church, when it was first birthed in Acts chapter 2, Luke the writer describes it this way. They, and he's talking about these 3,000 new converts, people who had just chosen to follow Jesus, 3,000 new people, plus the apostles, plus kind of the remnant of the people um, that had, had stayed with Jesus through, the, through his death, burial, and resurrection, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to every, anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's what I want. That's what I want North Point to be. That's what I want to be a part of. At the core of that church in Acts chapter 2 is this complete dependence on God. God is the one who's doing the miracles, right? It's It's not that the apostles are generating anything. Everything is happening through God. God is the one who's launching the generosity that takes care of that takes care of people's needs. God is the one who's adding to their number daily. God is the one who's doing the evangelism. God is the center of it all. Next week we start our gospel fluency series. Chris, Chris uh, talked about that already, and it's so important for us to be a part of that series because it is about the gospel speaking into every aspect of our lives. Not just. Uh, sometimes it's so easy for us to live with a compartmentalized life. We've got our Sunday morning thing that we do, and that's kind of the time that we give to God. But then the rest of the week, everything gets kind of distant, and we forget about it, and we don't really follow through. Gospel fluency is all about the the truths of Jesus being injected into every aspect of our lives, the stuff of life. Um, it's so important to to get there. Before we do that, though, I wanted to try and just take a week to say, okay, what is it that the church is supposed to be? What is it that North Point is supposed to be so that um, we can have a foundation as we lead into the Gospel Fluency series to say, okay, this is what it looks like. We've talked about a lot of different kinds of things over the last several months that God would be calling us to, and I want to try and make sense and bring those pieces in together and have them make some sense today. Um, when, when we think about what God has called us to do as a church, who God has called us to be, there, uh, all the stuff, it's actually expressions of one truth. When God designed the church, it was to change the world. When God put the church together, it was, uh, his intent was to change the world. Uh, North Point is, uh, North Point's not a perfect church. But we want to be a part of the church, Big C, the church universal that changes the world. And we want to be a church that God uses 
to change the world. Here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for us to read together again Acts chapter 2, those same verses of Scripture. I'd like for us to read it out loud together so we can just kind of internalize that. So uh, feel free to read it on the app, to read it on screen. We're reading from the New International Version, and let's just talk back through it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Praising God, they broke bread, sorry, (laughs) in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When God designed the church, it was to change the world. It it, It was so that the world would not stay the same. I, when I look at those verses, I see five components there, components that need to be evident here at North Point so that God can use us as a church to change the world. It's really just two components, discipleship and evangelism. But, uh, but the, there are three components that are kind of an expression of discipleship that we're going to talk about as well. What was happening when the church began? It was discipleship, generosity, com- uh, community, authenticity, evangelism. Those five things are what I want us to take a look at today. When you read uh, that passage of Scripture, what's it, how's it start in Acts uh, 2.42? They committed themselves daily to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. When it talks about uh, breaking of bread there, it's not talking about eating meals together because it mentions that a little bit later in this passage. It's actually talking about the Lord's Supper. Uh, in the first century, as the church came together, they said, here are critical things for us to figure out what it means to be followers of Jesus. We've got to be committed to the apostles' teaching. We've got to listen to them as they unpack the Old Testament scripture and reveal it about Jesus. We've got to, we've got to hear them. We've got to digest that. We've got to internalize that teaching piece. We've got to be about fellowship, about being connected with other people. We'll talk more about that in just a second. We've got to be about um, celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the Lord's Supper, because that changes everything. It changes the way that we see the world. When we understand that there's this God who came from heaven for us to die for us, to take our sin on himself, and he, and he was killed as a result of that, but he didn't stay dead. God breathed life back into him. It's a game changer. It changes everything. Um, and, and they committed themselves to prayer. Uh, as, as a church, they came together and they, they prayed, they talked to God about what was going on. Discipleship is what that looked like uh, in the first century. For us here at North Point, we define disciple. We define what it means to be a disciple of Jesus as what? To follow Jesus, to be changed, being changed by Jesus, and being committed to the mission of Jesus. What is it to be a a disciple of Jesus? How do we describe that? It's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and being committed to the mission of Jesus. Um, that's what it's about for us. That's what, we, uh, that's what we want to happen. When you truly follow Jesus, your life is going ch- to change. It's not going to stay the same. Um, 
If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to just think back for a second and think about what your life was like before and what it's like now. If you've been a follower of Jesus for a really, really long time, think back uh, maybe a quarter of the way back to the time that you became a follower of Jesus. For me, uh, 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 December 16th, 1968, that was, the, that was the day that I made the decision to follow Jesus. Um, I, uh, that's a long time ago, 1968, like some of you are going, that, that was really a year that, you know, that, that really existed. But, but here's the thing, however long it's been for you, 40 years, 20 years, five years, one year, think back a quarter of that time and ask yourself the question, is my life different now than it was then? Because if we're serious about being disciples of Jesus, he's going to be continually transforming us continually changing us. It's not the kind of thing that we said, oh yeah, I made that decision in December of 1968, and so I'm good. You know, I can just kind of coast the rest of the way till I die. God is about the business of transforming us daily to make us more uh, into his image. Um, discipleship means that our lives will be transformed, that we'll be changed by Jesus. Don't miss this. God will never use our church to change the world unless our lives are transformed first. God, he can't do it. He's got to be doing the work in us and start there so that as a body, when we come together, that then God can use us to change Clinton County, Ingham County, Shiawassee County, to change our families. It starts with the transformation in us being disciples of Jesus. The second component that's there, I think, in uh, Acts chapter 2 is this concept of generosity that when you read about it, you think, man, that's crazy. It says that they had everything in common, that they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Generosity was a component uh, that was a part of the, the church in the first century. It was something that the people in the community said, that's really crazy. Those people care about each other and they take care of each other. Generosity, uh, it, it made them different than the rest of the world. Generosity is an expression of discipleship, Right? Um, it's, it's, it's an extension of this. When we're a disciple of Jesus, we are going to be generous. Here at North Point, what's generosity look like? Um, God has blessed us, and, and, and as a church, we are really incredibly generous. But uh, I, I think God has some other things in, in store for us. Um, it, uh, the sense of generosity, it... it it really needs to get up inside us because you can't be a disciple of Jesus and not be generous, right? You can't be a disciple of Jesus and be stingy because as a follower of Jesus, you understand that everything that we have comes from God. I, I, I say that, you know, we say that here a lot, but if you think about it, God is the one who gives us the breath to breathe, the oxygen to, to give us each day's um, life. God is the one who provides for our needs physically. God is the one who brings people into our life to love and to love us. God is the one who gives us jobs that allow us to, to do the things that we do. How can we say, oh no, that's mine. That's, that's my money. That's my stuff. If God has given us everything, 
because on our own, we don't deserve anything. Our sin separates us from him. We're completely dependent. What's, what's generosity look like for us here at North Point? Um, yeah, I've, I've shared just in the last several months, as, as a leadership, we have this sense that God has called us to come alongside struggling churches to help them renew their vision, their passion in their place. To, uh, to, uh, we, we're not sure what that looks like, but that we have this sense that God has prepared us to be generous with other churches and to help there be a presence of Jesus where they are in an incredible way. Um, we need to be generous in that way. God, God, has, um, God has allowed us as a generous church to partner with other organizations, with other churches. So it's no big deal at all for me uh, to, to, to promote stuff that's going on at other churches in the area that follow Jesus. It's no problem for us. Uh, we're excited about the chance that we have to partner with Redeemer's Food Pantry. We don't need to have our, our own pantry. Redeemer's doing great at that. We're, allowed, uh, we're able to partner with um, St. John's Basic Need, or uh, the Basic Needs in St. John's, or uh, Beacon of Hope with First Baptist in St. John's. Because it doesn't matter who gets the credit, right? It's all kingdom stuff. That's a part of that generous spirit. God has blessed us. He's enabled us um, to do stuff that we couldn't do on our own. There's, a, there's another aspect of generosity that I've talked about in the, in the last couple of months as well that, that projects forward to us the special offering that we want to take next May, in, uh, the first Sunday of May of 2019. Uh, I talked about it a few weeks ago to say on that day, our, our desire, our hope is that we, uh, we want, we're going to have a special offering, but our hope is that it would be uh, an offering of, of $750,000. That's like three quarters of our total annual budget. That it's, an, it's an incredible amount. Why is it that we want to do that? It's so that we can increase our impact of ministry in this area and around the world. Because right now, $11,000, $11,700 every month is going into paying off the, the mortgage, the principal and the interest of this facility. That, that's an okay thing, but that's $11,700 that could be used for ministry, and it's not. It's, it's going for this facility. Um, I, I know that that's an incredible amount of money, and I know for some people who's thinking, that, that's just that's crazy talk to think about that. I, I want to challenge you to pray and to, and to ask God, God, what's my peace? What can we do towards that special offering? Not because we're having a special offering and because of the whole church we're pointing towards that, but because we have the ability as God blesses us and as God challenges us, we have the ability to change the landscape in a huge way. $11,700 a month, $135,000 a year. Uh, think what we could do with $135,000 a year that we don't have right now because it's going to brick and mortar and use it for ministry. We can plant churches in this area and around the world. We can support missionaries and, and new works in places that don't have any presence of the gospel at all. We can, uh, it will allow us to minister in, in, uh, in our own community to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a way that we never have been able to before because we have the resources to be able to do that. It will allow us to minister to children and teens and adults and singles and married couples and families in ways that we can't right now because we don't have the financial resources to be able to do that. 
I, I, I want to encourage you to just spend some time over the next several months. We're not going to talk a ton about that offering. It makes sense in this because of the generosity of the church in the, in the first century. But to just pray and say, God, what, what would you have me do and how can I get there between now and then? You know, I'm convinced that there are some people here that could write a check for $10,000 or $25,000 or $100,000 for that special offering. And, and, and that will be a generous gift for them, a sacrificial gift for them. I, I know that there are other people that it will be a sacrificial and a generous gift to write a check for $500 or $1,000 or $2,000 for that special offering. Uh, the amount for each person doesn't matter. The, the question is, can we really do that? It's not about we doing it. It's about God doing it. God has, God has the resources. After first service, a lady came up to me and said, you know, it's so interesting because at my church, uh, she was from Columbus. I don't know what that means. Um, but uh, uh, she came up to me and she said, she said, our pastor at church just preached your sermon. Uh, it preached from Acts 2, and we just took up an offering, and it was a huge offering to pay off our mortgage so that we could apply the money to ministry. She said, be encouraged. God is communicating the same message throughout his kingdom. Um, mobilize people, mobilize stuff for ministry. Uh, third thing, generosity, discipleship. Community is an expression of discipleship as well. In the first century, in the church in Acts chapter 2, it, it says that they committed themselves daily to fellowship. They met together in the temple courts. They ate together in each other's homes. In the New Testament, there was this sense that the followers of Jesus came together and their lives intertwined. They encouraged each other. They challenged each other on a daily basis for what it looked like to follow Jesus, to be changed by Jesus. That was a, that was a critical component of who they were as a church. At North Point, we believe that life change happens best in the context of relationships. Let me say that again. We believe that life change happens best in the context of relationships. Very rarely does God take us in isolation, transform everything in the way that we think, in the, in the way that our heart works, all by ourselves apart from anybody else. More often it happens that when we invest in other people, when, when we come alongside them, when we serve together with them, when we challenge them, when we encourage them, when we hear their challenges of us, when people say, you know what, I'm not sure that that's the right path for you, that in the context of that safe relationship, God begins to change us, to transform our hearts, to make us more like Jesus. Um, we talk about life groups, we, t- we talk about um, disciple-making relationships. Maybe it's not a life group, maybe it's, maybe it's a... a, a, a um, a gospel fluency group. Maybe it's a, a care group, a, a support group, uh, a group like CR. But being in relationship, in disciple-making relationships, allows us to be changed, to be in community. Because the goal is not just relationships. The goal is life transformation. When our lives are changed, when the church is changed, transformed, God changes the world. Uh, I'm going to ask my life group to come up on stage so that you can kind of meet them. I think they're pretty cool. And I want to I give them a chance to just talk for a second about what community looks like in, in our context. Um, we're, we're kind of a unique group. That's, uh, we've been having group for about three years. And uh, people have been in group. Who wants a mic? Anybody want Jana wants a mic. Come for, everybody come forward. Come forward. Come to the front of the stage. I'll give you a mic. 
If you don't know, this is my wife. She's never on stage with me. And so she's now saying, get this microphone out of my hand. Um, I, I, I just, I, Wednesday night, we're, um, we're eating s'mores in my kitchen. And I start asking questions. I said, why do you guys come to group? Why do you come back to group? week after week after week. And, um, and they shared some really cool stuff. So um, somebody with a microphone, pass it to somebody else and <laughs> whatever. Uh, and, and somebody just, just share why you come to group or, or, or uh, why you come back to group each week. Hi, I'm Jana Rowan and Go State. Hey. I'll just help you out with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I go I'd like him. <laughs> I'll go because of the s'mores, but um, also really, you know, when you're in the really down times of your life and you feel like you just can't go on anymore and you have a group of people that you can go to and cry in front of and pray with, and it just makes all the difference. Um, has that happened with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was in a really, 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 really bad dark spot, and um, I couldn't have, I couldn't, I don't know if I would have made it through without all of you and crying and you've seen me sobbing and mascara running down the face and then you've seen me really happy and in good times and so we celebrate everything. Cool. Somebody else. Uh, my name is Jim. My name is Jameson. Um, we've been coming to Life Group here for, oh, I don't know, probably six, eight months or so. Um, it's definitely, I know for me, the biggest thing with Life Group is, is growing up, Sunday was kind of a day of just coming to church, doing the whole church vibe and, and going about my way. Um, and then it was just kind of like my fill up for the week to get me through. Wednesday night, small groups is not only a fellowship with our, this is a Life Group family, you know, it's, we all talk about everything, go over everything, go through our lives together, but um, it's a way for us to break down the message and pull a lot more from our messages every single week. You know, some of us might grab some things out of the message, some of us might grab others, and we're able to dissect everything and break it all down so that we can get a better outlook on, you know, what this message is supposed to be about and how it affects us. That's that's the biggest thing for me is just being able to get everyone else's input on the messages and... Uh, you know, be able to spend some time in fellowship with everyone as well. Hi, my name is Bob. Sheila and I have been going to church here for about a year, and I think joining the life group is probably the best thing we've ever done. It's just a chance to get together once a week and be there for each other and support each other and pray for each other. Sometimes I need their support, and other times maybe I can help one of them out. And that's really, but that's what it's all about, and I think we all need that. Hi, my name is Chanel. Um, we've been coming to Life Group for six, eight months, and I like it because it's a, to make friends and to learn and ask questions. Um, let, me, let me talk just for a second, because I've got to tell you about Jameson and Chanel. Um, they said they've been coming eight months or so. Uh, I talked to them one Sunday and said, you guys need to come to Life Group. And can I, say, I hope I can say this to my friend. Jameson had the look that some of you have had when we've had this conversation. It was the look that said, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to come to group. And Chanel said, yeah, we can come. I can drive. That'd be great. I'd love to be a part of group. And Jameson said, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and what's, what was incredibly cool is you can't tell this with everybody up front, but Chanel's really, really shy. And so probably the first five weeks that she was a part of group, she never said a word. And that was okay. 
I mean, it really was okay. And now um, she's at a place that, that she, uh, what she said, she can ask questions, talk about what's going on, and, um, and Jameson is all in. So it's cool. Somebody else, real quick. I come to Life Group. My name is Pam for the food. No, I'm just a- <laughs> No, I come to, to learn more, more about God on a personal level with my friends and family and for the support that it gives to me. Just one more. Everybody can't talk. Uh, hand it, Joe, talk. Joe, I want you to talk. Yeah. Good morning. My name is Joe. Uh, I, I go to the life group for a very simple reason. Jeff, uh, seen you sitting in a pew once all by myself and thought he'd find a new friend. Uh, I've been in a past church before where you didn't have the camaraderie that we have on Wednesday night and life group on it, and I wasn't getting nowhere there. I was not going anywhere. So uh, this is actually a great way to connect, uh, get other people's opinions on something that you may have overlooked or, or thought about but was too scared to ask the question. Good. Good, good. Uh, give it up for these guys. Um, that's, thanks. Um, just a, a, a couple of things. As they're walking by, I, w- I want to tell you, um, in our group, we have people in their, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. So now you can kind of look at everybody and try and figure out where they all fit. Um, <laughs> and, um, and we have people who are married, we have people who are dating. We have people who, come, who are married but come to church alone. We have people who are divorced, people who have never been married, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of everything. Not every life group is like ours. Some are, are um, more homogenous. They're, they're uh, people in the same stage of life, and that's really cool. It's cool to have some groups that aren't that way. Um, because uh, we, uh, we say life group for us is kind of like a family reunion. You've got, you know, the old weird uncle that, uh, you know, the, all, that's me, right? Uh, um, one, la- one last thing just about the whole community piece, because it is so critical to be a church, to, to be in the church that God wants to change the world. Um, uh, Joe just shared, I, I, he was here, he was coming by himself, he was sitting over on this side, and Jeff came in and saw this guy sitting by himself and went over and sat with him and talked to him during church and after church said, hey, you want to come to Life Group? They had never met each other before that day. And, um, and Joe said, yeah. There are people around you. If you're, if you're in a Life Group, there are people around you that are desperate for community. And um, all, all it takes is an ask. So don't, don't hesitate. Don't be afraid to do that. Um, the, the goal is not relationships. The goal is um, to be in an environment where God can do his work in us to change our hearts. That's, that's what happens in that context. It is so important for the gospel fluency study that's coming up for you to be able to process the stuff that's, that's taught on Sunday morning, to use the workbook, and to have some people around you that can help you think through what's going on as we talk about what it looks like for the truths of Jesus to impact every aspect of our lives. Uh, the the uh, fourth thing, authenticity. Uh, Acts chapter 2 describes these new believers as, uh, as having glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Um, followers of Jesus in the first months and years after Jesus' resurrection had a profound impact on the world 
because of the way that they interacted with the world. Their authenticity, their simplicity, their sincerity impacted all of Jerusalem as people began to say, who are these weird people that are followers of Jesus? Because they're different and they act different. When we talk about authenticity here at North Point, part of, the, part of that is what happens in the, in the context of life group, but part of it is um, being authentic in terms of how we interact with the world around us. Uh, for the last 20 months or so, we've communicated this vision of impacting 50,000 people in a five-year period with the grace of Jesus. Um, what, what, what's that designed to do? It's designed to allow us to be intentional in thinking about how can I touch people with the grace of Jesus in a way that matters. Um, uh, 20 months in, we've, we've had people share that, that uh, we're at about 18,000 um, uh, points of impact. We're going to have another, uh, another opportunity to share that the first week in November. And so I want you to just kind of think through that. The, the goal of that vision of impacting 50,000 people in five years with the grace of Jesus, the goal of that is not so that we can say, ooh, North Point's a great place. We, uh, we hit 50,000, woohoo, have a party, have cake, all that kind of stuff. It's not that at all. The goal is for we who are the body of Christ here at North Point to wake up every morning and say, God, who do you want me to impact with the grace of Jesus today? Who is it that you have for me? 50,000 is a huge number. It's a huge number. Um, and yet, when you start to think about it, um, it takes me back to the, to the very first Sunday that I talked about it. These were the words that I shared from up here that day. 50,000 people in five years. North Point is a church that averages over 500 people in attendance every Sunday. To accomplish this vision means every person needs to impact a hundred people with the grace of Jesus over the next five years. That's two people a month. If we can't consciously choose to impact two people a month with the grace of Jesus, people in a broken world, people without hope, something is desperately wrong with us. We may not be followers of Jesus at all, let alone fully devoted ones. The authenticity that we're talking about as followers of Jesus means that we don't live in isolation, that we don't do the Sunday morning church thing and then live like uh, we want the rest of the time. It means that every interaction we have with people during the day, at work, at home, in the neighborhood, is a potential place for God to use us to spread the grace of Jesus. That's what it looks like to transform the world. The, the last piece that's there is evangelism. At the very end of, of verse 47, it says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. At North Point, we are committed to introducing people to Jesus for the purpose of their lives being transformed eternally. That takes place um, through the support of missions throughout the world. It takes place through helping plant new churches. It takes place through conversions that happen here at North Point, through life groups, through disciple-making relationships as people study God's word and make the decision to follow Jesus. Don't miss this. God cares about the masses, but he cares about the masses because he cares about individuals. 
When we talk about evangelism, about helping people come to a relationship with Jesus, every person is so critical because that person may be your son or daughter, your brother or your sister. It may be the person that you, you, know, you, know, that you hang out with, that you go get coffee with, that you, that you go bowling or play racquetball with. Every person matters to God. And that means that, that if evangelism, that God adding to his number daily, that's got to be a critical part of who we are as a church. We have to have this mindset of outreach of people who don't know Jesus, helping to introduce them to him so that he can begin to transform their lives. Evangelism matters because God's desire is to change the world through the church. When God designed the church, it was to change the world. You know, uh, Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people begin to follow Jesus. Uh, a few chapters later, 5,000 more are added. The, the number totals 5,000. And then it begins to say that their numbers, uh, th- that God was adding to the church daily. Every day, people making decisions to follow Jesus. And then it says that their, that their numbers multiplied. There's this sense that it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And in Acts 17, something interesting happens. The Jews are going crazy because all these people are becoming followers of Jesus. They're leaving Judaism to follow Jesus. And their lives are changing and turning upside down. In Acts 17, it says, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. I love that. They've turned the world upside down. That's what God designed the church for, to change the world. What do you need to do? What do you need to do as a result of today's message? Man, the, the, the most critical thing is that you have a heart-to-heart with Jesus and say, God, change my heart. Do your work in me. Transform me from the inside out. Work on my heart and let that impact the way that I think and the way that I interact with folks. God, change my worldview. Only you can. Maybe, maybe another next step is, is to say, uh, you know what, I've been sitting on the sideline too long. I need, to, I need to get involved in a life group. I need to get in a gospel fluency group. But do that after this service. Go out, get signed up, make some connections. Because life change happens best in the context of relationships. Satan is the one who whispers in your ear, you don't need anybody else. That's not God's plan. That's not God, God's design. For the last 10 years or so, we've characterized our mission at North Point as helping all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. Helping all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. When I was in Ukraine and I had the chance to talk to the missionaries, I said, you know, I I bring you greetings from North Point in DeWitt, Michigan, just north of Lansing. Here's the best way to describe our church. Our mission says that we're all about evangelism, Helping all people, helping all people and discipleship move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. Evangelism, discipleship. Discipleship shows up in all kinds of ways. It shows up in generosity. It shows up in community. It shows up in authenticity. It shows up as, as uh, Jesus comes in and we follow him. We're changed by him. We're committed to his mission. God's doing his work. Our mission is here so that the world can be different. For 178 years, the church has been here in DeWitt. 
Our goal, our mission, is that the world would be different. Our, our mission is like the church in Acts 2, to be completely dependent on God for him to do the work in us and through us to change the world. He is the one, God is the one, who transforms us. Matthew 28, Jesus, some of his last words, he said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. God wants to transform your life so that he can transform this church so that the world can be transformed. Let's pray. God, it's, it's, uh, it's so easy for us when we think about the church to um, focus on ourselves, to focus on what we want, what we like, what we uh, wish was different, all that kind of stuff to dream that we would be the perfect church. God, help us to wipe all that away and instead to just invite you and allow you to change us, to transform us. God, give us a heart for the lost like we've never had before. A passion, God, for people who don't know you and are facing eternity. God, in us, draw us to you in a way that we've, that we've never been before. God, change our hearts. Change the way that we think by the power of your spirit, not by anything that we do, but because we're so drawn to Jesus, everything else pales in comparison. God, do your work in us that you might use us to change the world. In Jesus' name we pray.